Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Yippee, Kyler Murray, yay. Matthew Betts? <laughs> what <laughs> was that? <laughs> Uh, we are back oh my God. for a, another Red Shirts podcast. I don't need to explain what that was, Vets. You know exactly what that was, okay? Yeah, I do, unfortunately. Um, it, It's going to be a great show. We've got uh, the, Kyler Marie may or may not make an appearance. It's hard to say. Actually, it's not hard to say when I'm on the podcast, let's be honest. Uh, but we are right in smack dab into the middle of June now. Mini camps kind of wrapping up. Training camp on the horizon, kind of. Sort of. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, like you said, I mean, June is flying by, which is crazy. Uh, summer is heating up quite literally and in, in football terms as well. And like you said, training camp is right around the mm. corner. So it is time to start getting those dynasty rosters uh, ready for the season. And we've got a great guest to help us do that. Ah, what a segue, Beth. Uh, I'm getting better, man. That's right. We have Rich Dotson of the Dynasty Nerds, widely considered the best Dynasty uh, advisor in all of the Twitter slash fantasy sphere. Would you say that's fair, Rich? I'd say that's pretty fair. <laughs> first time I first time I heard that, but I, let's, yeah, let's go with it. Uh, I feel good about I that. I mean, my day my day just got a lot better. Credit where credits do. Yeah, you know. Hey, we, we'll take. Nobody, I'm not, I'm not going to shun away compliments. No, that's uh, that's overstating it by a lot. But thanks, thanks anyways. Well, certainly a ton going on over at Dynasty Nerds. So we're glad to have you on here. Why don't you give us a little background, maybe of how you got to where you are at the Dynasty Nerds? Although this is your second time here with the Red Shirts podcast, so some of our listeners may remember you. And uh, what's what's going on over there? Oh, uh, yeah. We just launched our sub package here uh, about a month and a half ago. It's going extremely well, uh, blowing kind of uh, even exceeding our expectations over here. But yeah, I mean, we're just really trying. We're doing everything we can to literally be a one-stop shop for Dynasty Fantasy Football. We we have so many things in the works right now. It's kind of overwhelming. It's a lot of work. But uh, six months from now, we plan on just literally being the number one hot spot for dynasty fans football, you know, it, it's a community. It's a great community with all these other dynasty, you know, shows and sites. And it, it's nice to have all these other guys in here to get, get different perspectives from. And we're just trying to, you know, find our little niche and our little hole here to give you our perspective. And we're just trying to make sure when you do leave dynastynerds.com that you have the broadest perspective possible. So yeah, we have a lot of things going on and we're excited about it. Yeah, pretty legit stuff. I have subscribed, and there are all kinds of cool tools and more coming, I've heard. So glad to have you on again, uh, bringing some takes for our listeners today. We'll get into some pretty spicy takes, actually, so Ooh, an exciting episode. Nice. Way. But I love spicy. Before, oh, yes, the best. Before we get to the spicy takes, let's get to the kind of less spicy news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh. Got great news. All right, there is some news to be had at this time of year. First of all, Kyle Rudolph, he went and signed a, signed a four-year extension with the Vikings, worth thirty-six million dollars, with sixteen million guaranteed, stabbing all Irv Smooth, Irv Smooth, Irv Smith <laughs> truthers 
right in the eyeball. Uh, what is your guys' reaction? Rich, how do you feel about this? Uh, it's pretty, yeah, like I said, it's a dud uh, on, the, on the Irv Smith Jr. shares right there because... Now you can make a, you can make a you can make a point of that, and you can also counterpoint that it does take three to four years for a tight end to truly develop and to be a contributor. So this four year extension it should actually make Irv Smith Jr. a nice buy low candidate going into the twenty twenty season. Somebody you might be acquire with everybody hyping up the draft class. It's not even real hype; it's actually just the truth. The twenty twenty class is going to be so strong. Now you might be somebody you can acquire in the third round with a third round pick in the twenty twenty class if it's late, saying. Hey, you know, he didn't do anything in 2019. There's no plans for him to do anything in 2020 to overly excel uh, your dynasty team to a championship. So he's going to be a nice look by low candidate. I see him playing kind of like how I broke him down going into it, playing more of the halfback role, move tight end. I know one of our co-hosts gave him a nice Dallas uh, uh Dallas Clark comp and but you know mm. when I when you look at overall Kyle Rudolph is just a below mid-range tight end as he is he's not going to get any better there's a tons of mouths to feed in Minnesota as it is with Adam Thielen Stefan Diggs Dalvin Cook and for me Irv Smith right now is just an after afterthought and same thing with Kyle Rudolph like if you're a championship caliber team are you going to that like yeah dude my tight end is Kyle Rudolph I'm about to shut this league down it ain't happening <laughs> that's not it you know you've got to do better Kyle Rudolph is a solid number two guy to be your filler but he's not a championship caliber tight end I mean his best game was like his third year in the league in a Pro Bowl game so yeah, I'm not overly excited about either one of these guys. I think you're better off just grabbing a different rookie altogether. A guy like Dawson Knox, Jay Sternberger. Hell, I'll even sit back and wait on Josh Oliver if I have to wait on somebody. Somebody that could be the guy and somebody that doesn't have two dynamic studs in front of him. I mean, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are going to get all the targets. Come on. Sorry, Irv, but uh, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Sorry, Irv. Sad, sad for Irv. <laughs> Irv Smooth. Bet's so yes, Irv Smooth. Hopefully he's smooth. I don't know about smooth. Smoothies are good. Bets, do you have any <laughs> do you have any interest in Rudolph at all from a fantasy perspective this year or in the next couple years with this recommitment? No, I really don't. I mean, he was getting a little bit of hype last year and the year before, and um things changed quickly there in Minnesota. You know, that was before Alan, Adam Thielen was what he is now uh in fantasy football. And so you know, Rich Rich hit the nail on the head. Adam Thielen is there. Um, Stephon Diggs is there. There's too many mouths to feed, and and we've seen in recent times now. They're you know second half of the season. They want to try to switch to a run dominant game, and I don't know what that does for Kyle Rudolph's fantasy value. Obviously, it's not good. So um, yeah, not for me. Maybe a streamable option in redraft, but no, I'm off of him this year. Yeah, seems about right. All right, here's some. Some coach speak that's actually kind of interesting. Usually it's not, but this is kind of interesting. Frank Reich said that the addition of Paris Campbell will probably, in quotes, affect Naheem Hines, which if you watch much of Paris Campbell in college, you would understand why, because pretty much all of his receptions happened five yards behind the line of scrimmage instead of downfield. Uh, what does this do for maybe Paris and for Naheem Hines for you, Betts? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, you kind of talked about it there, but... With Naheem Hines, I think he still will have a role in this offense. I mean, he is an exceptional pass-catching back, and we talked with Nick Whalen last week um, about finding value at the running back position in your dynasty league, and Naheem Hines, I think, still provides that. I think this certainly will affect his reception total this year, but um, what did he have last year? 60-some catches, I think, and as a rookie, he can definitely build on that. So I think it might hurt him a little bit, but I think Paris Campbell is going to expand his role 
a ton in the NFL. I mean, Rich, you can probably speak to this as an Ohio State fan. They didn't really use his talents the way that maybe the NFL teams will, or Indianapolis will, I should say. Um, And you all know I am not a Devin Funches fan, so his time there (laughs) in Indy, I think, is, is limited. So I still like Hines as a value in PPR leagues, personally. Rich, does this move the needle much on either of these guys for you? I mean, Paris Campbell's always had the needle moving for me. I mean, he's an explosive athlete. I love him there in Indy. I love how excited they are to have him there, paired with Andrew Luck, uh, the future there in Indianapolis. I, I, I think it's a weird statement. I don't really take too many of this coach speak uh, to heart here this early, but I think the biggest detriment to Naheem Hines is Marlon Mack, not part Paris Campbell. I mean, he looked fantastic, mm. to, uh, definitely towards the end of the year last year in Indianapolis. So, yeah, is it going to hurt? Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, in, in – Indianapolis didn't have a lot of weapons to throw to last year, kind of like how Duke Johnson was two years ago for the Cleveland Browns, where, you know, he was a running back one right around running back 11 overall in PPR leagues because they didn't have anybody else to throw the football to, period. So that also helped to Naheem Hines' uh, production, but he's still a very talented pass catcher running back. There's still value there. But again, there's more mouths to feed. Jack Doyle is coming back. He's like the most untalked about player in all fantasy football at the tight end position, Jack Doyle. So you got Ebron, Jack Doyle, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell. I, I don't care about Devin Funchess either, so I'm not going to mention him. But they got Marlon Thank Mack you. and Nyingyine. <laughs> so with the receptions going out there, I mean, yeah, it's, it, there is some worry there. I don't think he's going to really exceed those 63 receptions. I thought I think what we saw out of last year is kind of like what we're going to get at Naheem Hines, which is basically going to be a serviceable guy. You can put in your flex position if needed, spot start kind of guy. But it's going to take an injury to Marlon Mack to really – kind of up his value because even if something happens to Marlon Mack it's not like oh okay I got these Naheem Hines shares I'm about to be the man no the 2020 class is way too beastie to get all excited about Naheem Hines they're just gonna go out and draft the guy from that class and then everybody's like oh what do I do with Naheem Hines now because Marlon Mack is doo-doo butter Naheem Hines is doo-doo butter here I am (laughs) with this giant poop sandwich it smells it tastes horrible what am I gonna do so for me uh, I think he stays mobile I'm more excited about Marlon Mack and I'm very excited about Paris Campbell because I think he's a fantastic athlete a fantastic wide receiver I think he's a true the future number one there playing in the dome what Andrew Luck does well he's gonna be a very nice uh dynasty asset he's my number three overall rookie wide receiver Ooh, very spicy all right well that doo-doo butter sandwich does not sound very tasty but what does sound tasty is some of the reports coming out of philly camps about jj arthaga whiteside (laughs) and yes i said arthaga whiteside because apparently he says from his spanish origin i would assume that that is the proper pronunciation of his name. I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually legitimately call him that. What were you calling call him? Let's just call him J-Jaw for now. Arcega. It's a S. There's a C. Uh-huh. But he wants to be Arcega with a, with like a, a Spanish All lisp. All I can oh, picture I, is I have Mike a lisp anyway, so that's good. <laughs> Rich is on board. Yeah. Uh, Betts, he's, he's in uh, your town over there. What is your take on Arcega Whiteside right now? Is he moving up at all for you? No, not necessarily. I kind of always liked. Um, I'm just going to say JJ because I don't want to say the TH. <laughs> I kind of always <laughs> liked him in this class as a nice value there and early in the second round of, of your rookie draft. So uh, for me, it doesn't really change much. I think this is what we should expect. I mean, this is was what he uh, excelled in, excuse me, in college. So 
that shouldn't change much in the NFL. He's very good in, in you know the red zone and the end zone, good at posting up defenders and winning those jump balls. So no surprise here for me. But at the same time, let's remember, I mean, it's it's mini camp. It's there's no real contact in these drills. So I think uh, Okada, you could probably go in there and catch a few touchdowns in in this time of year. <laughs> I mean, I am six two. Okay, so uh, I I don't know if I have any hops, but you know, I could try. <laughs> uh, Rich, you got a, you got a spicy rank on Paris Campbell. Where does Arcega Whiteside fall for you, or Arcega? JJ Arcega suffering Thuckatash Whiteside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, if anybody's moving up and down your board because of news that's coming out of mini camp right now, you're doing dynasty fantasy football wrong altogether. Yeah, I still like JJ Arcega Whiteside because I liked him on his, his college tape. I had him right around pick eleven, pick twelve. And what are we hearing out of camp? Oh, he's exceeding. He's he's doing really well in the red zone. Well, it kind of helps when both your parents are professional basketball players and you have that in your genes. So yeah, of course you're ex- his his number one asset coming out of college was like this guy's gonna be really helpful in the red zone. Here we are one month later, people are like oh he's gonna be really helpful in the red zone. Okay, yeah, I already knew that one. <laughs> Let's get him on the field. Yeah, I like JJ. He's the heir apparent to Alshon Jeffrey. He's got all the tools. To, to be a number one outside X receiver in the NFL. I like him. He's in a good offense. He just liked up, locked up Carson Wentz. Him and that, him and Wentz are have a nice rapport together for the next five years here. He'll probably get a contract extension if he plays well. They're already trying to get rid of Nelson Algalore. They signed Deshaun Jackson to a three-year contract, but we all know he's not going to see all three years of that. The number, two, the number two weapon on that team is Zach Ertz when it comes out you know, from a receiving standpoint. Arguably number one because Carson Wentz loves him. And Dallas Goddard's an absolute stud muffin there so to me it's it's gonna be Ertz mostly it's gonna be Goddard and JJ Arcega Whiteside for the foreseeable future is the number one targets there in the red zone so yeah I like Arcega Whiteside I think he's I think he's a nice get anywhere from pick eight to pick 12 in a rookie draft but my he stays exactly where I had him before everything that's coming out of camp is just really really coinciding with all the tape study that we've done in January February March April May and what month is it it's June. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's June somewhere too. in the summer. <laughs> yeah, jump on it. Uh, all right, that's that. That that sounds about right to me too. That range for JJ. So I like it. Let's hop into some injury news. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Bet you got some stuff for us, as always. All right, so kicking it off here, Eric Ebron has started running routes again, coming off of his groin surgery from earlier this offseason um again kind of going along with what we just talked about it's june and there's always good news with these injuries um i'll say for ebron this is kind of right where i would have expected him to be the groin surgery is likely this kind of core muscle repair surgery that's like we talked about before on the podcast it's a, a junk term for you know the medical field for a surgery for anything kind of around uh the muscle groups that attach onto your pelvis so um Typically a two-month recovery, and for Eric Ebron, if he's already running some routes, that's going to be good news for him coming into training camp. Cool. I like it. (laughs) Next thing, uh, Miles Sanders, a a rookie running back, is not going to participate in minicamp this uh, this couple weeks here because of a hamstring injury. Um, RB's Mm. coach says they're going to continue to use a committee approach. So does this news change any of your... I guess opinions on Miles Sanders in terms of what to expect this season. Hell no. 
<laughs> Emphatic. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Why would that change again? Is he your number one running back, Rich? No, he's not my number one running back. He's my number two running back. I got Josh Jacobs number one. Okay. But uh, I mean, he's like one B. I mean, dude, Michael Jackson wrote right. a small song around him. He just called it Smooth Criminal. That's how good this dude is. His hips are so loose. He can win <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. I mean, I like Miles Sanders a ton. It's... And again, I love this committee talk now because, yeah, you're not going to hurt other people's feelings now and just announce some rookie that has the starter or the guy and like, oh, yeah, his hamstrings hurt. But don't worry, he's going to get all the carries anyways because he's just that good. This is coach speak again, just in the opposite way, because when Miles Sanders gets on the field, I mean, who's who who on Philadelphia is going to outperform Miles Sanders? And a guy can catch the football. He's extremely talented. The ball in his hands he gets to the outside, can run inside. He's always moving forward, always moving the sticks. Out of all the running backs I watched, I mean, him and Josh Jacobs, I mean, Miles Sanders, I watched every game he played in last year. I could not stop watching his tape. He was just that good. And he's just overlooked because he only has one year of production. Well, he was only behind one of the greatest running backs to come out in the last 10 years in Saquon Barkley. He did, he was Mr. Football in Pennsylvania. He was an all-state. He was a five-star. You know, so this guy is extremely talented. I mean, are we worried about Jordan Howard, the guy who literally has no hands whatsoever? I mean, he might as well be called Jamie Lannister. <laughs> Because that's how good he can catch the football. I mean, so, no, I'm not worried about Jordan Howard out there. I'm not worried about these other receivers, these running backs. Miles Sanders, and maybe he doesn't start off, like, extremely well. And, yeah, I'm a little nervous about a hamstring because that's an injury that can linger throughout the year. But for the most part, like... I think come week five, week six, you're going to be good to go. I mean, remember Alvin Kamara, how he started off in New Orleans? Nobody was jumping on that train right away. It was like a three-week slow roll you had to roll on Kamara. But I wasn't budging from that train. I was sat down, had my seatbelt on, real comfortable, had a nice drink in my hand, just ready for that train to take off, and it sure did. So that's how I kind of feel like Miles Sanders as well. I think this hamstring injury is really going to help the redraft community or help me in my redraft leagues where people are like, all right, well, I got to sleep on this guy. It's going to be a running back committee. Meanwhile, I get him late in the 10th round or something along those lines. And I'm just riding to a ship. Yeah, and, and that hamstring injury, you know, it's so early in the summer that um, they're doing the right thing by holding him out. He's going to be fine for training camp, so this really should not affect him at all. Let's go ahead and move on to the next thing, and that is Marquise Brown coming off of his Liz Frank injury has been cleared for individual drills. I've said it multiple times, even last week. Don't expect much from Marquise Brown this season because of that Liz Frank injury, in addition to the situation that he's in. So, you know, aside from that, and we're talking just injury here, he's on track with where he should be. I still think he's fine for week one. I'm not concerned about his availability, but performance after the injury is um, unanimous across the board. Year one, back on the field, performance is reduced. So um, he's on track, but it doesn't change much for me from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, that sounds about right. What what the only thing that might change much for me is if I see a whole lot of Lamar Jackson throwing incredible balls to Marquise Brown deep, and even that's probably not going to change too much if it if it's against people in shorts and uh, no rush. So yeah, we'll see how how Brown pans out, but I still I'm still not very confident about his quarterback and what that means for his dynasty value. Dude, you you know there's going to be at least like. A hundred five-second clips of him catching a football downfield in training camp. You oh, know that's going to happen. So true. Do not buy the hype. It's probably going to be edited, and it was really the jugs machine throwing the ball <laughs> because it could probably do a better job than Lamar Jackson. Rich, any thoughts there? 
Yeah, I'll extrapolate on what you say. Don't expect much for his uh, dynasty career, not just this year. Uh, I'm I'm all off the Marquise Brown train a hundred percent, and it's not just his situation. It's, it's not just it's not even just Lamar Jackson that even puts me in that perspective. It's just him altogether. I mean, Lamar Jackson just makes it even worse. You're talking about a guy who's super small, does have a big frame, needs an accurate quarterback to succeed because he doesn't have a big wingspan. He can't go out there and get the balls. He's small. He can be bumped off his routes. He has that list Frank injury. That's a huge concern there. And everybody wants to talk about, you know, uh, oh, well, it's he, he when he's, gets the ball in his hands, he's explosive. I mean, does anybody remember he has like over a 9% drop rate in college too? Coming out of college with two back-to-back Heisman winning quarterbacks are extremely accurate. Come on, man. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. And now he's just moving on to another Heisman quarterback that's not accurate whatsoever. I would rather have Miles Boykin. I'm all off Marquise Brown and Dynasty perspective. I know he's explosive. I know he's small and fast. But, I mean, I mean, those guys are outliers that produce at a high level. Like guys like Deshaun Jackson, those are outliers. So are you just expecting Marquise Brown and Matt just become an outlier? Maybe he will be because you know, nothing's for sure. But I'm not willing to gamble my first round pick in the dynasty league or a high second round pick on a guy like Marquise Brown. I'm trying to find that next outlier. No, thank you. You see these guys come and go every year in the draft. We saw one just recently, like John John Ross for the Cincinnati Bengals. These guys are small, super fast. These guys help NFL teams more than they help your fantasy teams. Steer clear. Yeah, that's that's a good summary there, Rich. Let's go ahead and kick it off to the next and, and final piece of injury news here. And we've also got a little bit of. Um, I guess we'll say mild news. I'll put that in quotes uh, surrounding this this player here. So the first thing is Sonny Michelle is now coming off of a knee scope from uh, probably late May. He wasn't seen in the team's offseason program since May 20th. And along that kind of same news, the Athletics Jeff Howard believes Damian Harrison or Harris, excuse me, could earn a prominent role uh, this season. What do you guys make of the situation here? You know, we'll talk a little bit more about the injury. I will at least from what I'm concerned about. And that's the fact that Sonny Michelle, I mean, yes, he's a very talented player. Rich, I remember, I believe last year it was you that came on this podcast and just pr- pronounced your loved for him. And Okada just sat there smiling because he's a Patriots fan, which is the worst. Um, true, 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 true. But for me, you know, he has an ACL tear dating back to his days in college. This is now his second surgery in less than a year. Um, don't know if it's on the same knee. But regardless, you have to knock that against him from his long-term dynasty value. I'm moving off of Michelle when it comes to long-term. I think his time with the Patriots is going to be numbered because of this news. If it's the same knee, that's more concerning. If it's the other knee, it either means an additional meniscus injury or some sort of arthritic kind of process happening there. And short-term, he's fine. Again, long-term, I'm concerned. What do you guys think? I think any running back long-term is concerned no matter what, knee, knee injury or no knee injury. So I think that's kind of taken away from that. You know who else had two knee, injury, two knee injuries in college? Frank Gore. He's doing pretty good. He's still trucking along out there. I still like Sony. <laughs> I think – I think Sony right now is getting a big negative setback because of Todd Gurley. Honestly, I think that's kind of like rubbing off on the Sony Michelle news. Like, oh, another knee injury now just because Todd Gurley's got this like life threatening knee uh, going on. That Sony Michelle has the same thing going on with him too. I still like Sony. I, I I like Damian Harris. I think he has an opportunity. But again, they took him in the first round. He was one of my favorite running backs coming out last year. We showed he showed in the playoff run exactly what kind of running back he could be. A touchdown yardage monster for the New England Patriots. 
I'm still on the Sony train. I think this knee injury makes him a nice buy low window here because everybody's worried about all of a sudden arthritic knees. And yeah, it's a concern. It is. But are we freaking out about Dalvin Cook? Is everybody just getting off the Dalvin Cook train too because he had an ACL injury? Are all these other running backs that have ACL injuries? I don't think so. So for me, I'm still uh, okay with uh, Sony Michelle. Yeah, I think it it probably moves a tiny bit for me as far as my outlook on Michelle, but not it, more to the sense of he's now a hold or a buy, even like Rich said, than, oh my goodness, I need to sell this guy before things get worse. Uh, because this he's still going to be productive for the Patriots this year and I think beyond. Um, and he may miss a game or two with some of this wear and tear that he has, but almost every running back misses a game or two with some wear and tear, like Rich said. So I, I'm not selling him for this reason. I might his, He might drop in my ranks one or two spots, and Damian Harris might come up one or two spots. I think it's maybe a little bit more interesting for Damian Harris than it is for Michelle, just because the Patriots have always shown a willingness to kind of mix and match a little bit. So Damian Harris could maybe be sort of what Rex Burkhead was supposed to be, which was going to be a fantasy-relevant player. Uh, so I, I'm interested in both of them right now. Yeah, well said there, Okada. Let's go ahead and kick it off to the next segment. Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future! We are going back to the future with Rich Dotson. Rich, our, our listeners should be listening to Dynasty Nerds, but if they're not, you always bring something to the podcast uh, which helps us see the future, and that is the crystal balls. So we oh, need you to bring yeah. those out mm. tonight for your I, predictions well, here. Lucky for you, I brought my sweet, succulent crystal balls. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, so we are going to basically use this segment to almost do kind of a bold prediction segment, and we're going we're gonna to kind of frame it in a way that you can put anything into it that you want to. It can be uh, a positive, bold prediction. It could be negative. It doesn't even have to be... A huge difference just something that you kind of think is going to happen this year that will affect a certain player's value next year so we're going to frame this in a way that it's you, you complete the sentence so the sentence is going to start this time next year fill in the blank so rich we'll give you a little time to think about it okada let's go ahead and kick it off to you for your first guy so this time next year go ahead this time next year bets tyler boyd is a fantasy wide receiver one and the Cincinnati wide receiver one. <laughs> Do explain. Do explain, I will. So, first of all, uh, as you may know, I di- I'm doing the Scouting Academy thing, right? And we're supposed to watch games on players and write reports. And one of the players that we were assigned to watch was Tyler Boyd. So I watched five games of Tyler Boyd in the last week or two and r- took copious notes and wrote a formal scouting report. And I love him. He is a beast. Probably one of the best contested catch receivers that I've seen around his age. There's some guys that are the absolute elites of the elite in the NFL right now that that are above him. But he is an absolute monster down the field in contested catch situations. And where that I I think that's going to matter is particularly in the red zone and particularly in Zach Taylor's offense, who's going to be bringing over... He's even verbally basically said Sean McVay's playbook from the Rams. And I think that Tyler Boyd is going to become the Cooper Cup in this offense. And if you know how I feel about Cooper Cup, you know that it's very, very good. I love Cup. I see him as a double-digit upside, touchdown upside threat, and a great middle-of-the-field receiver. 
here, here here's a fun stat for you, Betts. Oh, you love the fun stats. I uh, I know. He had a seventy point four percent catch rate last year. Of these are the guys with a hundred targets that had a better catch rate. Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Adam Humphreys. Mm. I don't know how he got in here, but he is. Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins. That is it. Four of those guys are already wide receiver ones. Adam Humphreys is the one outlier. And the next on that list is Tyler Boyd. He has great hands. He has great jumping and contested catchability. He runs good routes. And people kind of have this, uh, I think, misconception or they're not sure about whether he was good with AJ or bad with AJ. When AJ Green went out, did he lose some production? When AJ Green was in, did he lose production? He was great with A.J. Green. So if A.J. Green is playing, I'm not concerned at all. In fact, I'm probably even happy. These are his numbers per game when A.J. Green played last year. Six receptions, 80 yards, and he scored five touchdowns in nine games. You project that over a full season, and that's 97 catches, 1,300 yards, and eight touchdowns, which would be good for wide receiver 10 in PPR last year. He's going to be a wide receiver one by this time next year, and I think that he's going to be for dynasty purposes, more valuable than A.J. Green. So you're not saying A.J. Green isn't going to be on the Bengals. You just think Tyler Boyd's the receiver you're going to want next year at this time. Well, that that could be the reason. It's possible A.J. Green is gone. But even if Green is there, I think for dynasty purposes, Boyd will have jumped Green by this time next year. Gotcha. Rich, you think Okada's off his rocker or you, you can see this happening here? Uh, I like Tyler Boyd, but I think he's off his rocker. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that just for the how I, I think you're just like really ex, like pushing him to the absolute limit. And I like Tyler Boyd. I like Tyler Boyd most more than like most when he was coming out of college. And I know it took a little while, but I mean AJ Green, you know, get, going back to undervalued, he's one of the most undervalued uh, assets in all of just fantasy football. I mean, the guy's an elite elite talent. He's a future Hall of Famer at receiver. I think there's some things you got to be worried about about Tyler Boyd. And yeah, he took a big step forward last year, but that Bengals offensive line going into 2019 is going to be just terrible. We don't know how this new offense is even going to work. AJ Green is back and healthy. That's going to take some uh, away from Tyler Boyd. Tyler Eifert's back and healthy. That's going to take away from Boyd. And again, Joe Mixon. For now. And Joe Mixon's going to get you know a lot more production as well. So I like Tyler Boyd, but I think last year we saw out of Tyler Boyd is what we're going to get out of Tyler Boyd. A very good dynasty asset, a quality like wide receiver too, but for him just to break into that top 12 in that offense, I just don't see it. I mean, it takes like an elite transcendent talent to be a wide receiver one in that Bengals offense with Andy Dalton at the helm, and that's somebody like A.J. Green, not Tyler Boyd, and that's not me poo-pooing on Tyler Boyd. It's just he's a really good receiver who will help your dynasty team and your fantasy team, but I just don't see him being that wide receiver one. Even if A.J. Green was off the table and he wasn't even on the team, and Tyler Boyd's the number one receiver on that team, I still don't see him being a wide receiver one in fantasy football. It's just there's only 12 of them, and I don't think I don't see Tyler Boyd broke, breaking that uh, barrier to enter that number top 12 with all the talent we have already ahead of him. So is he really good, and do I like him? Yes, but I'm not going as far as... Okada. Got it. Yeah, I, I can definitely see a scenario where Tyler Boyd will increase in value, especially if he builds off of last year. Um, I find it tough to believe he cracks the top 10 Okada. Sorry to, to burst your bubble. Um, I think he's great as a wide receiver, too. I don't know that I will want him as a wide receiver, one. Rich, are you ready to go ahead and uh, predict the future here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can bust out these balls and give him a little rub. Go for it. All right, let's see, sweet balls. Tell me... uh. 
Tell me something that's going to be a little bit shocking to the dynasty community in the future here. <gasps> oh my. Curtis Samuel is going to be a top 50 dynasty startup player. That is, well, that's a little shocking. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Curtis Ooh. Samuel. Who, who would have thought, you know, everybody wants to get all those DJ Moore shares, but nobody really, I mean, everybody likes DJ, Curtis Samuel and actually his buzz is starting to increase. And I really hope that I have uh, had my hand in that increased buzz. Cause I've been promoting <laughs> this guy now for about seven months uh, on my podcast, a 22 year old second round pick now who produce he was produced equal to DJ Moore, who everybody loves, who's a top three, top four round dynasty startup pick as of now. I think he's more versatile. I think he's more athletic. I think he's more explosive than DJ Moore. I think he could be the number one receiver for the Carolina Panthers. I think I think he's just an overall terrific athlete, kind of like that Percy Harvin-esque, kind of like a Stefan Diggs for that offense. I like Curtis Samuel a ton, and I'm seeing him after this year, 2019, going into it. People, when they had their new startup drafts, that Curtis Samuel is going to be going to the top 50. I've been making moves for him starting six months ago. I started getting him for 2020 seconds. I got him for late 2019 first. I made all kinds of moves to Curtis Samuels. I got him in almost a ton of dynasty rosters, and I feel really good about it. I think he's going to take a massive step forward this year. He's only 22 years old, entering his third year of the NFL. And this first year was a wash because of injuries. Last year was his rookie year as well. And like I said, when it comes to fantasy production, you had DJ Moore, who averaged 9.8 fantasy points per game, while Curtis Samuel averaged 10.5 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. That's the guy I want to have, Curtis Samuel. Get him on my rosters, and you should too. Yeah. That sounds like math. It does sound like math. I don't know if we, you can really argue with math. <laughs> Uh, but I will say I'm pretty on board with this. I, so I've quickly pulled up roughly what range of receiver that would be. Right now, those are names like Mike Williams, Cooper Cup, Sammy Watkins, Tyler Lockett, right, right at that 50 edge of the 50s. Um, and I could see Curtis Samuel being there if he becomes the lead receiver from at least a reception standpoint in this offense, which I think is much more likely than the dynasty community in general is giving credit for. So I like that call right there. Yeah, and that's right in the yeah. middle because I'd, I'd, I'd have him above Cooper Cup. I'd have him above Sammy Watkins. Uh, I'd have him right behind Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett's guaranteed to me in my eyes to be the number one receiver there in Seattle. And then Mike Williams, forget about it. I if if you're on dynastyers.com and you can see my rankings, I have Mike Williams probably higher than anybody in the whole dynasty community altogether. So I'm a Mike Williams fanboy, so we're not gonna go there. Oh, we're going there, Rich. We are going oh. there. Oh, oh. Uh, let me hold on, let me take off my seatbelt because I want to make this wide <laughs> round. <laughs> Rich, that was a beautiful segment because I'm just gonna go ahead and kick it off with the next guy. Um this time next year Mike Williams is going to be a top 12 dynasty receiver. Okada said top 10. I'm not that crazy, but Mike Williams is going to be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. I mean, we have seen a huge increase in his production in just his two seasons in the league. And we have to remind people his first year, he was dealing with a back injury, which was causing numbness and tingling into his legs. So uh, that is not necessarily a concern for me long-term. We've seen him be able to take a huge step forward uh, this last season. I just put out an article about this, uh, and I referenced uh, my good friend Matt Okada. Maybe you've heard of him here. Since mm. targets have been recorded as a stat in the NFL, he is just the second wide receiver ever to have 10-plus touchdowns on less than 70 targets. I mean, the ceiling is ginormous with this guy. 
I've got him at wide receiver 16 right now, so it's not even a huge jump for me. I think Okada, you've got him at 15. Is that right? That is right. And Rich, where do you have him? Uh, I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I would take, for me personally, he's probably like a top, yeah, like top 15 dynasty wide receiver asset to me. And like I said, your stats that you talked about, the receptions, there's only a handful of receivers to ever even finish as wide receiver twos and fantasies with under 100 uh, targets. And Mike Williams did it at the the fewest amount of targets. He only had 66 targets last year, 66. So, and then other guys, actually the second best is Tyler Lockett, who had 71. So for me, yeah, Mike Williams, stud, stud. I mean, 10 touchdowns on 66 targets, do the math. Yeah, math is is not hard when the numbers are that easy. The touchdown rate was phenomenal. And I think the argument out there is um, the efficiency is absurd, which, yeah, it was. But... There's no Ty- uh, Tyrell Williams. Hunter Henry, yes, he's good, but Mike Williams is an elite end zone target in the NFL. I don't see how he doesn't get 10 touchdowns this season at a minimum. So when you look at Phillip Rivers' career average and you distribute those among the players in the receiving core, Keenan Allen is locked in at six or seven touchdowns guaranteed. Even if you give Hunter Henry five to eight i mean mike williams still gets at least 10 so i love this guy okada you got something to add to that situation i mean i just feel like with our powers combined the three of us we could probably get mike williams to like number one overall (laughs) somehow because i've never had such a glorious fusion of mike williams love in one place um but yeah everything you guys said 100 percent covers it and to be honest I had considered going with him for one of these predictions, but to say what you just said for me is almost not bold enough. So I had to go bolder and go with Tyler Boyd. I just think it's so likely that Mike Williams is one of the elite receivers after this season. So people, people forget call. he was a number seven overall pick in the draft. You know, it's not like they this do. guy. I mean, we're just, it's not like this guy just came out of any you know nowhere. I mean, he, he's under his third year. Yeah, guess what? People get a lot better in their third year. It's a good breakout year. So, people again, I don't I don't know where this comes from because Hunter Henry's coming back or because they have Keenan Allen. He's just a different overall player. These are the guys. You know, we mentioned earlier like Marquise Brown, like how he doesn't help your fantasy team. Marquise Mike Williams is literally on the complete opposite spectrum, the opposite side of the rainbow. You're on Marquise Brown is in that like dark forest area. Why Mike Williams on the other side of the rainbow where the <laughs> pot of gold sits? So he's the one that actually takes you to fantasy championships, and that's where I want to be. I mean, the kid is super young, super talented, six foot four, two twenty, only twenty four years old, top ten dynasty asset asset or uh, receiver potential on an offense that really loves to throw the football. Give me all the Mike Williams shares everywhere do you guys just want to end the podcast now after how amazing that was i mean either that or we could just talk about him for another half hour <laughs> let's uh let's save the listeners here okada go ahead and give us your next <laughs> uh bold prediction all right well any listener of this podcast should probably have expected that at some point the name kyler murray was going to come up in this segment so here's here's what i here's what i decided on i thought about a few different ways but this is what we're going with At this time next year, one of Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, Baker Mayfield, or Aaron Rodgers will be replaced in the top five by Kyler, whatever his middle name is, Murray. (laughs) Oh my goodness, do I love this man. I am about halfway through the article that I've been promising to write, and I just love him more every single day. I don't really know what you want from me. He's my boy. Here's some actual numbers, though, because I'm sure I'm sure you want them because, you know, that's what I do. Cliff Kingsbury's offense, it is ranked top 10 
in all of college football in plays each of the last five seasons. All of college football, between 75 to 85 plays a game. This offense is going to be running all over the place. And by running, I mean passing and also running if your name is Kyler Murray. By the way, the highest in the NFL last year was the Ravens at 71. I think there's a chance this offense even tops that, but it may just end up somewhere around there in the 70 range, and that would be absolutely monstrous for fantasy purposes. Speaking of the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, he averaged 18.5 fantasy points per game as a starter last year. Project that over a full season, you get 297 points, which would have made him the QB 10. Are you trying to tell me that Kyler Murray is not going to be better than Lamar Jackson? The answer to that question, if you dare to ask it, is absolutely not, you maniacs. (laughs) Kyler Murray has close to, if not equal, the rushing chops as Lamar Jackson and at least five times better of an arm. And he's got better weapons. People say that they don't have great weapons and they don't have the best weapons in the league. But they have decent weapons and certainly better than what Lamar Jackson was able to be on a QB 10 pace with last year. Obviously... The offensive line is going to be one of the big question marks. And it's not going to be great. It's going to be bad, probably. They did do some things to to get a little better. They uh, got a guy from Pittsburgh, and they're getting some guys back from injury that should help. But here's another thing that seems to go forgotten. Who was the most sacked quarterback in fantasy, or not in fantasy, in the NFL last year? Answer, Deshaun Watson, a top five dynasty quarterback. You can be very productive not getting sacked like Andrew Luck, and you can still be very productive getting sacked like Deshaun Watson. So I'm not as concerned about that as other people are with Kyler's mobility, his ability to throw on the run. I think that the pressure is going to affect him less than a few others. And then I'll just quickly throw out this Baker Mayfield action because I know that we have a large Baker Mayfield fan here on the podcast. Best quarterback of all time. Of course. Except Kyler Murray is now going to be the best quarterback of all time. But, you know, we won't get in that debate yet, except for these numbers that I'm about to drop. Last season, Oklahoma, passing yards. Mayfield, 4,600. Murray, 4,400. Touchdowns, 43 for Mayfield, 42 for Murray. Rushing yards, however, 311 and five touchdowns for Mayfield. 1,001 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns for Kyler Whatever his middle name is, which I'm going to have to find out so I can I was say, say it. I don't know how you don't know Murray. that. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know it. If you translate those numbers to fantasy points, which is what we're talking about right now, that's 406 fantasy points for Baker Mayfield in his final season in Oklahoma. 500 fantasy points for Kyler Murray in his final season at Oklahoma. The rushing is so important for fantasy quarterbacks, and now you throw in an actually competent arm so much more competent than a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson who were already valuable QB1, fringe QB1s. It is impossible for me for Kyler Murray not to have some of the highest upside of any quarterback, and I have him going into the top five by this time next season. I'm going to take a nap now. Uh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> I mean, your, your love for this guy is out of control, in my opinion. I agree with you the upside is immense it it can be that it can be awesome he could be michael vick he could be fantastic but for me to even say that he'll be in the top five this time next year is just blasphemy okada so i strongly disagree with you how dare you sir? i can see him being in the top 10 sure but there's so many rock solid guys that have done it year after year after year in that top five that for me 
I don't see him getting there after one season unless he just absolutely sets the world on fire, which you are predicting. Uh, I find it hard to believe he jumps that far. I mean, Rich, your boy Baker is there after one season. Do you see any chance Kyler is? Nope. And Baker's there, and I said this on the podcast, Baker's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever scouted in my entire life, and that's before he was even drafted by the Ooh. Browns. Uh, that's how good Baker is. And you, the, the stats you want to run off, the reason he has so many more stat fancy points than Baker is because he had all those rushing yards. I mean, that's literally the only difference is the rushing yards, but those rushing yards aren't going to translate over to the NFL. You mentioned Cliff Klingsbury and how many plays he runs. You know who else ran a lot of plays in college? Chip Kelly, and everybody got all excited about that when he went to the Eagles and how that worked out. All that does is exhaust your offense, uh, is your defense, and get out there quicker and just adds more takes for disaster and we don't know how this cliff kingsbury offense is going to work we don't know how these weapons are going to pan out yeah i mean they have christian kirk they have hakeem butler they have andy isabella it's nice with david johnson but i don't think i'm not getting overly excited about kyler murray's you know rushing because i think he's have to rush less in the nfl and he does like to take those avoid he likes to avoid the hits which is smart but to avoid those hits in the nfl is he actually had to get out of bounds a lot quicker because the players in the nfl are a lot lot faster than they are in college so those rushing yards can be cut in half Probably pretty easily. And I know he's fast, he's smart, and he's got a good arm. But to me, I don't see him being a top five quarterback out of the rip. Can he get there? I mean, the guy was the number one pick overall pick in the NFL draft. Of course he can get there. But there's a lot of variables in place right now with uh, Kyler Murray and question marks to go with that too with the head coach. I mean, at least with a guy like Baker, I mean, he has weapons like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Nick Chubb, you know, I feel a lot better about those weapons than I do about these unproven receivers out there in this new offense with Cliff Klingsbury. I mean, we're talking about Cliff Klingsbury. This guy got caught fired as a college head coach before then he got gets hired as an NFL head coach. So I'm not. It's not like he was just like offered some huge contract to leave his college job. He was a free agent on the market out there. So I don't get overly. I, I like Kyler Murray, but if you're asking me from a dynasty perspective, I would actually draft Dwayne Haskins ahead of him. Ooh. Oh. That is spicy. Oh, Rich, you're hurting my heart. <laughs> what well, do you mean? You, know, you, you can't have love without heartache. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> is there? You you said 500 yards approximately because you cut that rushing from his his last season in half. Is that kind of what you project to Matt? 500 rushing yards. I, I honestly like. I, I it's hard for me to project these quarterbacks at anything, you know, definitely a rookie quarterback. It's there's just too much unknown. Do I, I can sit here and try and just put some numbers up and make, you know, look at some projections and multipliers and just make up some run random number. So I sound smarter than I actually am, but I don't do stuff like that because it's just silly. And maybe I hit right. And then I act like I'm all smart because I just took some random guess in the dark. And I cut his rumors half. No, I mean, yeah, he's a good rushing quarterback. That has a really good arm, but I think he's got to play it safe. One bit. Kyler Murray is just one big gigantic lineman away from being just out of the NFL altogether. Cause he's going to get smothered to death and break every rib in his body and a couple of vertebrae in his back and maybe pull the Chris Sims and you know <laughs> mess up his spleen. So I don't know what his numbers will be. I think he is going to be valuable in the spleen. rushing yard. You know, but you know, if I want my quarterback to be a rushing quarterback, I, I mean, let's look at the guys that have success. The Cam Newtons, the Josh Allens, those big big strong quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is literally the most opposite. Of that. If he he's the, the the most successful small quarterbacks are the ones that are really accurate and it can move in the pocket and throw from the pocket. The Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield can do that really, really well. So I'm not going to – I hope if, – if I'm a Kyler Murray truther like you, I hope he's not a big rushing quarterback because then odds of him getting hurt are really, really high. Look what he's done to Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is like the Incredible Hulk. And then, like, you know, what's what's the fairy from uh, uh, Tinkerbell? 
That's that's Kyler Murray from Peter Pan. So you have Cam <laughs> Newton is the Incredible Hulk, and then you have Tinkerbell over there from like size spectrums. And look what it's done to Cam <laughs> Newton, you know? And Cam Newton, when you talk about top five, Okada, that's exactly what Cam Newton was. Year in, year out. Top four fantasy quarterback because of all the things that you talked about, about the ability and be able to run and be that Russian threat. In that, well, you didn't talk about Russian threat in the, in the red zone. But that's what made him that asset. Okay, and look at the beating he's taken, and he's built to take that beating. Where Kyler Murray's done a little opera, he's Tinkerbell when it comes to that. So he's not built to do that. <laughs> so if that's what you expect from him. You're talking about a very short shelf life. Why do we? Why do I use the saying hashtag two to three year window? And why are these running backs such an easily replaceable asset? It's because when you rush the ball that many times, you're gonna get hurt. I feel like Tinkerbell is going to be hard to tackle because, you know, she's got a lot of agility. So that's what I'm hoping for with Kyler Murray. Get all that pixie dust in your eyes. Exactly. No, but legitimately, I think he's going to be extremely good at avoiding hits, getting out of bounds and sliding really well. So that's part of my confidence in him staying healthy. But, of course, the size is going to be a concern. So I'll, I'll concede that point to you, kind of. And you have to be a little worried. Okay, even if he does slide, you still have to be worried. I mean, there's some Vontez Burfics out there, right? So he can go into a slide and the defender's still coming at him. You know, the def- this big defender's still coming at him. And he, I mean, how many times do we see quarterbacks get hit still and you get upset about it all the time in the NFL when they're making a the slide? Again, I mean, can he withstand it? That's the biggest question mark. We're, again, we're talking about a lot of variables. And when I'm invested in some dynasty asset, the, you know, the more red flags I see, the farther I'm taking steps back. And Kyler Murray's got some red flags when it comes to that aspect. You know, I like his game. I love his arm. I like his intelligence and I like his mobility, but there is some red flags there. And for me to just come out here and say, Oh yeah, he's gonna be a top five uh, quarterback is what he did in college. I mean, then I'm drafting all these Hawaii quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Which we would probably recommend right, Beth, get us, not doing. <laughs> get us, <laughs> don't, don't get do us away from Kyler. Yes, let's let's go ahead and move on here. Um, we're going to finish up the this time next year segment because I want to make sure that we get to the, the last one here, uh, the last segment. So my last one here is this time next year, Carson Wentz is a top three dynasty uh, quarterback. I almost said running back. That's not true. Uh, quarterback. And we've seen a lot of change happen with him over the last couple seasons. I mean, just a few years ago, people were talking about him as the number one dynasty quarterback and injuries have derailed that i've been vocal saying that i'm not concerned about his back long term he just signed a huge extension and when you look at what he's done we just talked about rushing for kyler murray when you looked at what he's done with the rushing it was obviously hindered last year and we should have expected that you know i i was telling people all along he's going to be a pocket quarterback in 2018 because of coming off that acl and lcl injury now more than a year removed. Uh, I'm not worried about that quite as much. I think he'll pad the stats a little bit more with the rushing. You look at his weapons. I mean, my goodness. Uh, J.J. Arthega, Whiteside, or Arcega, whatever you want to say. Uh, Alshon, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. I mean, good Lord. We talked about it with Nick Whalen. You want to go chase these Philly receivers and figure out who's going to be the guy. Go after Carson Wentz. He's the constant in that offense, and I think he takes a step forward. It's not as big of a, as a statement as Okada's been making, but he's at QB7 right now. I think he solidify, solidifies himself as a top three dynasty quarterback next year. If he stays healthy, I could see it. I do think he might have to change his play style a lot. I, I almost am more concerned, kind of to what Rich was saying about Kyler, about these quarterbacks who refuse to go down and the, do the Aaron Rodgers or, the, or what is now the Carson Wentz and derp around in the pocket for 15 seconds hoping they can make something happen and end up getting hit from an awkward angle and ending up hurt. 
than I am about a guy who is running out in space and willing to get down before he gets hit. So from that perspective, I am still concerned about Carson Wentz's injury future. I'm hoping that he dials that back a little bit. But they tried to dial that back with Cam Newton a little bit, or at least the rushing, and he still has stayed hurt. So it's definitely a concern for me if he gets over all the injuries, though. And it's a big if. I could certainly see him being this high with his talent and the weapons they have. Yeah, the Panthers said they're going to uh, hold back Cam Newton's Russians, rushes and rush ability. He had the most rushes in his entire career. Yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, I like Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is a very talented quarterback. I like the, what they're doing in Philly. But when, when we go back to the step backs, the red flags, to me, that's a huge red flag. The best ability is availability. And that's where Carson Wentz has not been, uh, you know, for his team in the playoffs and for your fantasy teams in the playoffs. And this this goes for every year, you know, in, in the NFL. He's been hurt at the end of the year every single year. In college, he was hurt every single year in college. I mean, the guy is just, he's consistent at one thing, not finishing a season. To me, that's a huge concern. I mean, and these injuries add up, you know, they, the, the more you get hurt, it doesn't get better. And I like Carson Wentz a ton. And if he can stay healthy, yeah, I agree with uh, Betts for sure, where he's a top dynasty asset at the quarterback position with the youth. But those injuries are a huge red flag for me. And where you got to take Carson Wentz, I might just look elsewhere. I might play it safe with a guy like Jared Goff uh, over a guy like, you know, with Wentz, is Wentz's ceiling higher? And is he probably a better overall fantasy quarterback? Yeah, but I mean, you can get somebody like Goff who's cheaper, who's still a quarterback one, and in his, you know, big next year, what, fourth year, third year in, uh, or fourth year in, uh, Sean McVay's offense with arguably better weapons around him uh, in L.A. So when it comes to quarterback quarterbacks, I mean, obviously I'm overreaching them for Baker Mayfield because I just have a huge man crush on him. And I and I, I agree with you. I like Wentz a lot. But for where he's going and that price you got to say at quarterback seven, too many red flags. I, let, me, let me see him finish this year in 2019 healthy. Let me see that. And then I'll jump on that bandwagon with you. But I got to for him, I got to see it before I'm willing to invest to make him my number one. Yeah, well, as an Eagles fan, uh, I really hope that he can do that, not only for my dynasty teams, but also as a, as a fan. Um, we all have our guys here, quarterback. Rich is on the, the Baker Mayfield train. I'm in love with Carson Wentz. And uh, Okada, you have a weird obsession with Kyler Murray. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? All right. Let's hop into the last big segment here. We're going to play a little ADP game of this or that. All right, we have gone obsessively long with these incredible Kyler Murray debates and so forth. <laughs> so we're going to make this a, a kind of a, a quick hitting rapid fire round. We're going to name two guys who are right next to each other in current ADP. And this ADP, which, by the way, if you don't know, is average draft position is for dynasty startups pulled from DLF. You can get it from a lot of different places, but that's where we got it from for this. I'm going to give you the two names. You guys give me the guy you'd rather have and a maybe one or two sentences on why you would prefer them. So starting with the first duo, it's a wide receiver duo coming in at eighth overall and ninth overall wide receivers, four and five, Michael Thomas and Juju Smith Schuster. Rich, you kick it off. Yeah, I'm taking Michael Thomas easily here for me. I don't think it's even close. I think he's just an 
an Ooh. overall better wide receiver than Juju Smith. Not like by drastic leaps and bounds, but I think he's an overall better wide receiver. I love Sean Payton's offense. You know, I know Drew Brees is going to leave, but I love that offense more than Mike Tomlin's offense. I think that's more of a factor of Ben Roethlisberger. And for me, Michael Thomas, when you look at statistics wise and uh, as a complete wide receiver and overall, you mentioned, I think his uh, catch percentage earlier in the show was Michael Thomas on that list. Uh, yeah, it was number one in the entire NFL last year. Yeah, I, I like Michael Thomas. For me, 10 out of 10 times in a draft at ADP, if I'm on a clock and Michael Thomas on the board and Juju Smith is on the board, I'm taking Michael Thomas. Bets? Yeah, for me, it's Juju. I think, I mean, I would love both these guys, obviously. Um, but just going to break the tie with the age factor there. I mean, still 22 years old. It's absurd what he's done in the NFL. Um, the Steelers offense passing the ball most in the NFL last year. And I think that that trend continues. Maybe it's not as high as it was, but the volume's going to be there. You know, Richie mentioned Drew Brees' days are probably numbered. Big Ben's not going to be too far behind him. But I think what he's done is production profile at his age. Um, not that Michael Thomas hasn't, but it's just absurd with what he's done so far. So I'll take Juju. But again, would love both. Yeah, but real quick on that, just to offset that argument is Michael Thomas has proved it as a number one receiver right now, and Juju has not proved it as a number one receiver. It's easy to put up great numbers when you have one of the best receivers of all time on the opposite end of you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the big question mark there is, can he do it as a one? Uh, we're going to find out this season very quickly. Absolutely. Definitely. And I think that's the key in deciding between these two guys. I don't think there's an argument to be made that Michael Thomas isn't the safer guy. So with this high of a pick, that's definitely attractive. I think Juju potentially has a higher upside. I think with his youth and how he's already performing, I think there's a chance he's one of the best receivers in the entire league within a year or two. He might already be one. So it's going to be maybe a little bit team dependent. Where do I want to go? Who else do I do I have? Whether I'm going to take one of these guys or who else do I want to have if you're making this with your first pick. But I would probably lean Juju just because of the upside. All right. Let's hop over to another duo. Running backs this time. Some, a guy we've talked about, Sony Michelle, coming in 39th overall, RB18, up against, and I already know which way Rich is going to go with this, but up against Derrick Henry, 40th <laughs> overall, RB19. Rich, <laughs> the laugh says I'm going to pretend that I don't know and ask you, which running back are you taking? Well, if anybody ever, if, if you do listen to the Dynasty Nerds podcast, you know this is an easy answer for me because I've been poo pooing on Derrick Henry since day one. We talk about you know f- you know a good football player that can help their football team and a good fancy player, and Derrick Henry's not. He just tricks everybody because at the end of the year during the playoffs he actually does something, but he forgets about that when he averages two points per game for the whole regular season. And he doesn't do anything, <laughs> and he didn't help people in the playoffs because he was on everybody's bench because they were afraid to play him in the playoffs because he does doo doo all year long. To me, this is easy, Sony Michelle. Get that Derrick Henry crap out of here. They're going to draft a running back in 2020. Get it, get, Derrick Henry is not a fancy stud. I'm sorry. He's, he's a touchdown-dependent running back. I don't want anything to do with him. You ain't tricking me, Derrick. Absolutely, absolutely savage from Rich. Betts, are you going to dare contradict? God, no. No, 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 no. Not against Rich, who I know for years have said, stay away from Derrick Henry, and thank you for your advice, Rich. I own zero shares, and I don't want one anymore. Uh, so give me Sony Michelle. Yeah, this is almost the same as the first two guys with the an aspect of kind of safety versus upside. If Derrick Henry were to somehow get what he did last year and apply it over a whole season, he would be one of the best running backs in the NFL. But so far, we have not seen that consistency. Sony Michelle, if he can stay healthy, we have seen him be consistent in the games he's played. So I'm going to give him the edge a little bit here. Not nearly as wide as Rich, because I think that Derrick Henry has some upside if they can figure out what to do with him properly. But since we haven't seen it yet, I'll give him the edge. 
All right, so let's go to a pair of veterans, wide receivers. Jarvis Landry coming in 60th overall over there on Rich's Browns. And Julian Edelman at 61st overall, wide receivers 29 and 30. Rich, are you going to stick with your Cleveland boy? Dude, same thing. Pot of gold on one side of the rainbow, dark, deep, nasty forest on the other side of the rainbow. Julian Edelman, older. Uh, Tom Brady, older. Jarvis Landry is only 26 years old. Still had a quality fantasy football last year. And now they're finally going to move him back to the slot, his natural position, position where he had the most catches in the NFL history over in the first four years of his career. Now he gets to play with his boy and they get to compete against each other for the better games with one of the best quarterbacks to come out in the NFL draft that I've ever seen, Baker Mayfield. Of course I'm taking Jarvis Landry by a landslide over Julian Edelman. We, if we're going to make the argument that we just made earlier about youth and you're going to take Juju because of youth give me the 26 year old receiver who's done it year in year out yeah i mean jarvis didn't do it last year but you know he started the, uh, the year off with tyrod taylor baker mayfield was a rookie he was the number one receiver so everybody was just targeting him he's playing out of position on the outside which is that's not his position whatsoever so even though he struggled there a little bit he still had a good quality fantasy football year now you're going to put him back where he's going to dominate not be the focal point of the offense where the number one cornerback is going to see him he's going to produce again be a, a nice high-end mid-range wide receiver two julian edelman's going to be a wide receiver two too but again this is dynasty we're looking at long-term plays here give me all the Jarvis Landry shares 1 million out of 1 million times. Ooh. All right. I'm going to have to go the other way here and then we'll set it up for bets to break the tie. And it might be some of my Patriots bias coming in, but I'm playing is. with a classic, <laughs> a rich Dotson trademarks two to three year window. And Julian Edelman has been locked in for that window by the Patriots. And if you get locked in by the Patriots, it almost certainly means that you're not going to fall off a cliff in that period because they typically get out from the guy a year or two before they kind of lose their value in the NFL. And I, I don't think there's a way that Julian Edelman is not more productive than Jarvis Landry this year. Is there a potential that Landry has more production over the next five years total? Yes, very highly likely. But I'm looking to win now. I'm looking to win in the next couple years. And I think Edelman's going to be able to do that for me. And I don't, I just, there's too much delicious offensive firepower in Cleveland to be able to feed Landry like he has been fed when he was in Miami, when he was a wide receiver, borderline wide receiver one in PPR because he got 100 catches a year. Borderline two years ago, he was wide receiver four overall. <laughs> Uh, yeah, overall, he's averaged somewhere around borderline. Listen, there's no way he gets 100 catches in that Browns offense. And with his yards per reception, he typically needs that much to be as high as he is. I think Edelman is a top 15 PPR receiver this year. It may slowly start to fall off from there. But if Landry starts at 20, 25 and falls off a little slower, I'd still rather go with Edelman. Bets break the tie. We got to make a bet at some point. Not doesn't be right now on the show, but we're going to make a bet. Who, who has more PPR fantasy points next year? And I'm taking Landry. Oh, I'll take Elman easily on that. We'll decide on the uh, the odds. Yeah, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk on. We'll we'll figure something out on Twitter about the bet. But we're we're making a bet for sure. <laughs> I can't wait for that bet. If I can get in on this, I would like in on the Landry side, please. I mean, oh. I mean, look at look at the age. It's un it's unreal that these guys are going next to each other in drafts. The I'll put it in air quotes down year from Landry last year um, is just it's absurd. He's such a good value right now. I would be buying him everywhere if I could as a rock solid wide receiver too. And while I think Edelman is great for redraft, I mean Okada, face the facts, man. The days are numbered, whether or not you want to believe it or not. <laughs> I know their number, but I think the number is two or three. All right, 
we'll move on from this hot hot topic debate. All right, let's get a, let's get a pair of tight ends in here. David and Joku comes in 88th overall, tight end eight. Noah Fant, rookie tight end, comes in 89th overall, tight end nine. Bets, we'll kick it off with you this time. Who are you taking between these two guys? Give me David and Joku. I think. I think people are expecting a lot more than what they should be out of him in his first two seasons in the NFL, and he's trended in, in the right direction nicely. When you look at what he's done over the first you know, two seasons there, he went from 386 yards to 639. So he's trending in the right direction. Baker Mayfield is obviously a stud. We're all excited about this Browns offense for good reason. I don't know that he's going to get the target share that maybe a top-tier tight end ever will with the other weapons there, but the offense should be good enough that the red zone opportunities will be there, and he is a very good uh, end zone target. So I like Njoku. Give me him over Fant for the fact that you're going to have to wait for Fant for a couple of years. Rich, are you on the same page here, or are you going Fant? No, I, I like everything Pat said um, about you know, him be the number one red zone target on a high powered offense, which is really going to give him the edge there. And like you said, he got better every year and you might as well call him sushi for how raw he was coming out of Miami. <laughs> so it, it's, it's for me, he's, he's taking those steps when we always talk about these tight ends that take like three years to develop David and Joku's the, the pinnacle of that, you know, what's going to take him to, to get better every single year. Cause he was so raw coming out of Miami. So I agree with bets. We've seen him get better every year. He's in a very high powered offense right now. I would take Njoku. Yeah, we're going to be three peas in a pod on this one. 100% the Njoku side. This is basically you get to buy the guy that Noah Fant could maybe be right at the time that he's going to start producing at tight end one uh, value. Because Njoku has had the time to develop, and now I think, like you guys have said, he's going to break out. Meanwhile, you go get Fant, you might get something like what Njoku could be, but it's going to be in a couple years when who knows where your team is. I'm easily going in Joku here. I, I don't even know why this is this close. All right, let's get a pair of QBs, and then we'll have one more deep dive choice to make. Dak Prescott coming in 122 overall, QB 10. This is non-superflex, by the way. Obviously, these guys would be, would be higher in superflex. Matt Ryan coming in at 123, QB 11. Rich, are you taking the young gun, or are you taking the reliable vet? Yeah, I'm taking a young gun for sure uh, and Dak Prescott. And I was just on a Fantasy Pros podcast like last week, I think. And it, we, uh, well, the host, like he rattled off like some like crazy statistics and numbers. And he's like, You're, guess who what quarterback this is? And it was like Dak Prescott. And it kind of even blew me away and talking about under how undervalued he is. Yeah, so for that, from that aspect and what they're doing with Amari Cooper, Julio's a little older, Matt Ryan's a little bit older, super flex or just any kind of dynasty league altogether, I'd rather have Dak Prescott. I wish I had the numbers to back it up in front of me. I don't. But I know they're really good because I heard somebody tell me them. Uh, and I would take Dak Prescott. Bets? Yeah, sign me up. I mean, the age difference is huge. Dak has not finished less than QB 11 in his years in the NFL. I don't see how that changes, especially now that he has Amari Cooper. He was doing that without Amari Cooper and without a, a true stud there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see how that changes. Give me the locked and loaded uh, quarterback one for the next few years as a very young player in the league. Yeah, look how much better they got. Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup. That's way better. 100%. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, Rich, but to your point, I know he's top five all time in touchdown to interception ratio. 
Uh, and I think in a passer rating, he's way up there as well. Uh, maybe it's not all time on the passer rating, but he's just been incredibly efficient. He hasn't gotten tons of volume, and he has not had great receiving core. So it's also honestly been extremely impressive how good he's been for fantasy with what he's had. And to your point, he's now got better better weapons all around. Zeke is even catching passes like crazy now. Uh, and I think that continues for him. I think he holds those kind of reception numbers, and that's good for Dak. He also manages to get five or six rushing touchdowns every year, which is an underrated little boost that he gets. Um, and those are hard to predict, but he's done it consistently for the first three years. So with with the youth, and even not the youth, I think I might take Prescott over Ryan in redraft, but especially with the youth, I think this is an easy choice. So I'm on board with both of you guys. All right, last one. This is a this or that or that or that or that. We're going to go through a bunch of names, wide receivers all in a row. Basically, they're dart throws, and I want to know which one you guys would take. So from 169 to 173 overall, or from wide receiver 70 to 74, fall these names. John Ross, Miles Boykin, Terry McLaurin, Jamison Crowder, and Kenny Stills. Two rookies and a few guys who have been eh, up and down. Rich, let's start it off with you. What name are you picking out of that group? If I only had to pick one? Yes, just one. Terry McLaurin. Ooh. Uh, he's on Washington. I like what Washington did in the draft. I like what they're building over there. He's paired up with his college teammate. He he did extremely well at the senior bowl. Uh, he, he's been on the rise, kind of like that Michael Thomas kind of role where he just wasn't really utilized enough at Ohio State, so you don't really know what you have in Terry McLaurin. I like the pairing in Washington. I, honestly, out of all those guys, there's only two I'd even really want on my dynasty roster, and that's Miles Boykin and Terry McLaurin. So I'm going to get a guy who is drafted higher and who's paired up with his college roommate and who has a better quarterback overall, and that's Terry McLaurin. Betts, you got a pick? Yes, I would agree with all of that. I mean, when you look at the other guys, John Ross, Jameson Crowder, Kenny Stills, we already know what they are in this league. They're not going to be anything more than that. I think Terry McLaurin, you at least have a shot at taking a step forward rookie season and beyond. And, and Rich said, like like he said, they're growing the relationship uh, with Dwayne Haskins. So I would take Terry McLaurin out of this list. Wow. I'm surprised we're all on the same page here again. I considered John Ross just because he has shown little tiny, little tiny flashes the but they have been they have been yes they have been smothered by large large chunks of uh non-availability unavailability inavailability we'll let it play lack, yeah, that'll, that'll lack of availability is is what i have to say about that <laughs> don't take guys who get hurt running a 40 yard dash <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it's it's rough for ross um Boykin doesn't have the QB that McLaurin does, I think, to Rich's point. And Crowder, I would have liked Crowder if they hadn't gathered 17 other slot receivers and a Le'Veon Bell to compete for short area receptions on that Jets offense. So maybe he uh, kind of pops his head up as the slot guy there. But with Quincy Inunua and Le'Veon Bell also there, um, it's it's... It's, it's just a mess, and I don't know if Sam Darnold can support all of them. In fact, I'm pretty sure he can't. So, And I have no interest in Kenny Stills. Get out of my face. So I'm, I'm aboard with you guys. I'm interested to see the unknown factor of Terry McLaurin. I don't think any of these other guys have the upside worth wasting a pick on. Yeah, no, I think that definitely sums it up well there. Um, let's go ahead and just kind of wrap things up here since we ran a little bit over on time. 
more than happy to do that with a great guest like Rich. So Rich, go ahead and just let the people know one more time where they can find you on Twitter, what's going on at Dynasty Nerds, and how they can subscribe to the Nerd Herd, which they should be doing. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Rich. Uh, I'm, you know, if you ever want to talk Dynasty, I'm out there. I'm pretty commutative. Uh, join the Nerd Herd. All you literally got to do is go to DynastyNerds.com. There's a big thing that says Nerd Herd. You click on it. You join it. Uh, like I said, we got some cool tools on there now. You get all our exclusive rankings. We have Debbie rankings, IDP rankings, Superflex tight end premium rankings, rookie rankings, standard rankings. We have all that stuff. We have a buy sell tool right now. If you look click on the rankings, you can actually follow how we ranked a player for the rest of their career. It gives all our writers percentage in a pie graph, and we think he's a buy, a sell, a hold. And actually, within the next five days. Uh, speaking of ADP, we've built over the last two months a mock draft tool that's going to be on the site. And it's going to be free for anybody to use. You do not have to be a Nerd Herd member. And we actually built this to be the most accurate mock draft tool in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We made sure this algorithm is going to make sure that there, every computer pick, if it's if you're not, you don't fill up the whole room with people, drafts the most complete Dynasty team it can. So like, if the best player is a quarterback and you already have two quarterbacks, our tool is not drafting five quarterbacks. It's going to drive the best Dynasty team it possibly can. And what's going to be really cool for the Nerd Herd members is you're going to get like a lot of these sites. I'm not going to say names, you know, but uh, they all do great work. <laughs> but, you know, when you get the when you get their ADP, it's like, OK, they do a couple mock drafts in the first week of the month. And that's the ADP for the month. Not at DynastyNerds.com. You're going to get live ADP because every time one of those mock drafts completes, you get updated ADP on the website. So that ADP is literally going to be just changing every single hour and that's going to be exclusive for nerd herd members so yeah check us out dinesterners.com we got a lot of stuff going on there and some really cool stuff on the horizon yeah absolutely i would recommend that everyone does that okada tell everyone that where they can find you uh you can find me on twitter at matt okada uh or you can find me on the dynasty nerds website checking out the mock draft tools and figuring out what real adp looks like 100%. And you can all find me uh, on Twitter at the Fantasy PT. Uh, just a quick reminder, we are doing a listener league in 2019. If you want to be a part of that, leave us a rating and review uh, on your podcast app. Take a screenshot and tag us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod or join our Patreon, patreon.com slash RedshirtsPod. All right, fellas, fantastic episode. We will see you next week. And until then, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.